Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. In April, when I began to think about what I might say today, I realized that it was roughly nine months till Jesus' birthday. Every day is a good day to celebrate his birth. Nine months to Christmas. It would have been about this time of year, April, May, when I imagined a young girl sitting at her window looking out over Nazareth. Perhaps she was hoping to get a glimpse of her fiancé. Perhaps she was dreaming about her wedding day. A warm glow inside would bring a smile to her face. Her day. She would look so beautiful. She would be so happy. Suddenly, she is not alone. There is someone in her room. Don't be afraid, he said. A stranger in her room? Of course she was afraid. Was she imagining things? Did she pinch herself to see if she was asleep? No. This was something momentous. Something incredible. A message for her from God. Immediately, Mary is compliant and obedient. We see her heart. You are to have a child, he said. That's the last thing a girl wants to hear before her wedding day, that she is pregnant. Mary's shocked. She listens to God's message. She will do whatever he asks of her. Her only question is, how? How can this be so? What must I do? She's willing to set aside her own plans. She doesn't hesitate. Whatever you command. It won't be plain sailing for her. It won't be all happiness and joy. There will be disappointments. At times she was told that her son was mad. Her beautiful son dying as a criminal. I was very struck by Mary's words. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Her life had been mapped out. Marriage to a good man, she had expected a pretty uneventful life, a happy life. Babies, family parties, cousins to compare notes with. But this message ended her own ideas. Instead, she would know heartache, shame and sorrow. She accepts the news and she lays down her own desires. She doesn't complain. She doesn't say, it's not fair. Nor does she grumble. Her response is to trust God. And so she sings a song of worship, quoting and echoing the song of Hannah, who had given birth to Samuel 1,000 years before. 
Mary sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of his humble servant. Mary worships the Creator, as did Hannah many years before. No matter what God has planned for her, she accepts and she trusts him. And so this led me to think about Jonah. What a difference there was in his response to what God asked him to do. Jonah lived in Gathhepha, which is just four miles to the north of Nazareth, 750 years before the time of Mary, when Jeroboam II was on the throne. At that time, both Hosea and Amos prophesied that God would use Assyria to punish the Israelites for their obstinate, capricious behavior. The Jews were in a bad place. Instead of seeking God and loving him, they went their own way looking out for themselves, seeking after comfort and ease. God was there, always there, just as he is for us today. He was aware of them, ready to be found by them. But they were caught up in their own plans, self-satisfied and self-seeking. Their hollow religion and their shows of devotion did not please God. He sees into the heart. He understands their motives. Yes, he knows every heart. He understands us all. God tells the Israelites that they must turn away from the idols that they have put before him. They must care for the needy and the poor. There was great inequality at that time in Israel between the rich and the poor. And God told them through the prophets to do the right thing. Love others and feed the poor. They are told that they will be judged. And Amos warns, as did Hosea, that they will be returned into slavery Not in Egypt this time, but in Assyria. Assyria will rule over them because they refuse to repent. So you can see why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. His heart must have sunk when he realized that God wanted him to take the gospel there. God wanted Nineveh to have the opportunity to repent and to know him, in spite of their evil and misguided ways. And we hear stories like that today. Good Jesus seeking out men, women and children, so that they might know him. The man in white. All over the world, Jesus meets with people, and thousands are turning to him. God is aware of them. God wants them to know him. He sees into every heart and he understands all things. Jonah was fully aware that God is a gracious God, merciful and slow to anger, 
abundant in loving kindness. And Jonah believed that if the people of Nineveh responded to his message, they would certainly be saved. He didn't want that. So he devised a plan. He went to Joppa and got on a ship to Tarshish, a Phoenician's colony which is about 2,000 miles to the west, intending to flee from the presence of God. But his plan didn't work out, did it? God was there too. Jonah received a sharp lesson. A storm nearly killed everybody on the boat and he was thrown into the deep. But God hadn't given up on him. God rescued Jonah. And even though Jonah was obstinate, God was patient. And so you know the story well. Jonah made his way to Nineveh and delivered the message entrusted to him. Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Amazingly, there was mass repentance. The king and all the people turned to God. Jonah was quite upset at this turn of events. He despaired. He had hoped that the capital city of Assyria will be destroyed. However, in spite of God's bad in spite of Jonah's bad mood, God continued to look out for him, providing shelter and shade. Still, Jonah complained. This sounds very familiar to me. How often have I ignored that small voice prompting me to speak? to a stranger, or to pick up the phone, a nudge to tell somebody what God has done for me. And why do I hesitate? Is it because the stranger might rebuke me, or a colleague might not want to hear? A family member might think I'm a bit of a fanatic, might not want to make up after an argument. Is it because I don't want to lose face? And so we ignore that whisper, not willing to trust God or his plan. The book of Jonah shows so very clearly the sovereignty of God. He uses his very creation to accomplish his divine plan. God controls the elements. He prepared a sea creature, a vine and a worm to do his bidding. We see throughout history, God is in control. He cares for all men. God didn't ask Jonah to give an eloquent speech. He only said a few lines to the people of Nineveh. But the Holy Spirit used those few words and brought men to their knees. Because Jonah was at last willing to obey God, The whole city was saved, from the king to the man in the street. And so we have two very different characters, two very different responses to God's plan for them. How would you respond if God asked you to do something outrageous? God did make a very big ask of both Mary and Jonah. 
He doesn't always ask us to do something so dramatic. But he does want to use every one of us. People like Martha and Mary. They were family people, like you and me. Imagine opening your door to find Jesus outside talking to his disciples. Would you invite him in? Or would you worry about the state of the house? What an opportunity they would have missed. Of course, Martha eagerly invited Jesus in. She didn't hesitate. And there's a lesson here for me. Several years back, I was shy of inviting people to my home because I didn't feel I was good enough. I felt that my house was always in a muddle and I knew I'm not a terribly good cook. Then Simon preached about the importance of hospitality, of inviting people into our homes. Don't forget, he said, people come to see you, not your house. An obvious statement. But it did change the way I looked at things. You don't have to have a three-course meal, he reminded us. Just coffee and a biscuit, even beans on toast will do. That reminds me of one day when Chris and I were invited to my daughter's for the evening. It'll have to be beans on toast, Ma, she said. No time to cook. Now she is a superb cook, has been ever since she was a little girl. And when the family come together to go to her house, we know that we're in for a treat. Charlie, our youngest, heard where we were going. Oh, she drooled. Mm, I wonder what you'll have to eat. We're having beans on toast, I said. Charlie laughed. Oh, Mumsy, Ruth doesn't do beans on toast. And that day in Bethany, it didn't matter what was for dinner. Jesus was welcome at their table. What is the context of this passage about Martha and Mary? It comes directly after the story of the man who stopped to care for a traveller on the road to Jericho, the Good Samaritan. A story about serving one another and being a good neighbour. So Luke placed this parable of the Good Samaritan immediately before the story about Martha and Mary's desire to serve God in their own home. Now we call Jesus the servant king. He taught us to serve. He washed the disciples' feet, fed the 5,000. He healed the sick. Even when he was tired, he gave of himself. Martha's heart was overflowing with joy as she busied herself preparing the dinner. You can imagine her singing along, This is the day... Oh, I'll add a little bit of that and a little bit of that. Tra-la-la-la. Then suddenly she noticed her sister and it all went horribly wrong. She stopped to compare her situation with that of her sister. Her sister was having a better time than she was. How often do we look over the fence and think they are having a better life than me? They have nicer things. They have it easy. We compare ourselves to others, forgetting 
all that God has done for us. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to his every word. She actually assumed the role of a disciple. We might think nothing of that today, but in those days, it was socially unacceptable. A woman could not be the disciple of a rabbi or a religious leader. It was actually a scandalous thing for Mary to do. She crossed over social barriers, and Jesus allowed it. On the other hand, Martha was doing what was expected of her. She probably wished that she could be sitting where, G- where Mary was. But her sense of responsibility and what others would think made her stay in the kitchen. Resentment grew. And finally she blurted out, Lord, don't you care? How could she say that of Jesus? But then, how often do I ask that very same question in my heart? Sometimes I cry out, Lord, where are you? It was important to Martha to provide a meal for Jesus, and she would have been so very blessed doing it if she hadn't suddenly seen her sister sitting at Jesus' feet doing nothing. And that's where the discontent began, and Martha compared her circumstances in that moment to Mary's and she feels that she is holding the short straw. It's not fair. Mary chose to sit with Jesus. That was more important to her than doing dishes and Martha resented her decision. Martha chose to prepare the meal for him and that was a good thing to do. Nothing wrong with that, until it hindered her relationship with God and led her to criticize. Jesus reminded Martha, nothing is more important than our relationship with him. In both prayer, being in his presence, and in serving, we worship him. Mary was filled with joy in his presence And Martha would have known that same joy if she hadn't looked with resentment at her sister. Perhaps it reminds us of those other siblings, Cain and Abel. The one held jealousy and bitterness in his heart. And how destructive that was. I wonder what is the cause of resentment and jealousy? Is it based on fear? Fear that someone else has it better than me. That they can give something which is better than what I have to give. God sees into the heart and he understands our motives, our fears. And he says, come to me. True love casts out fear. We can fall into this trap so easily if we look at someone else's life, those happy smiles on Facebook, those perfect children, the bigger house. And what about those holidays? Hmm, They seem to have lots of holidays. They are more successful, 
more popular than me. Our joy will be destroyed by resentment, anger, or envy. It's true, these things are destructive. And so, to sum up, we have looked at four very different characters. Mary from Nazareth, obedient and willing to trust God, even when her desires are not part of his plan. Jonah, stubborn and grumbling about what God asked him to do. Mary in Bethany, joyfully rejoicing in her Saviour's presence. And Martha, who lost her joy because she resented her sister. God sees our heart and he understands all our hopes and fears. Can we say, without hesitation, unreservedly, I am the Lord's servant. Let your word to me be fulfilled. Do we truly believe that he wants the best for us? God knows the plan he has for you. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. How we choose to respond is up to us. Amen. Wow, there's a lot in there to occupy our minds. So shall we just pray for a moment as we think about those things that Jane has brought to us this morning and what our response to those things may be. Heavenly Father, Mary, as we would be, I'm sure, was shocked at the timing of the message she had. And yet... She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Could or do we say that, you and me? Or do we say it's not fair, grumble or run away like Jonah? What have you heard, what have I heard God ask of us individually or as a church today? Have we listened to God to hear his message, a nudge or a whisper? How can you, how can I fulfill the plans God has for us this week? Use a quiet moment now to talk to God about the challenge to you. It may be one from Jane's word today or it may be something that God has popped into your head. Oh, Father God, thank you for speaking to each one of us. Please, Lord, we pray that our joy will not be destroyed by resentment and jealousy. And Father, our prayer today, my prayer and my prayer for you, is that we will trust the plans you have for us. 
and say with Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Amen. So we come now to our intercessory prayers, which I will be leading today. And my goodness, there's a lot of things in our world that need our prayer. So let's pray. Our Father and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you now in prayer for ourselves, our families, your church worldwide, and your family of all people here on earth. Lord, we know that this week we have displeased you and ourselves by things we have done and thought, and by those things we have not done and not thought. They cause us discomfort, as we know they have not pleased you. Where our actions have not pleased you, Father, we are sorry and confess those things that come to mind now. Father, in your great mercy, hear our prayer. Where we harbour anger and unforgiveness towards others, we make a choice now to forgive them. Wipe the slate clean and allow you to be the judge, not us. Where the hurt is great, we choose now to begin the journey of forgiveness towards those that have hurt us and ask that we will not forget but continue that journey daily until it is completed. Lord, keep us safe from ourselves, forgiven with you and forgiving others. Thank you that you welcome us all with open arms, great love and mercy when we confess and that you forgive us to start again with you. We pray for those who are unable to be with us in church and for those who have particular needs at this time. We hold them before you that they too will know the blessing of your word and great love for them. And we pray especially for Betty Brown, Margaret and Terry Holden, Alan Cribb, Anne and John Newsham, and continued recovery for Chris and Steve Sheldrake. Also for David Scrogi, Ross Iredale, Jean Potter, Flo McGrath and Hyacinth Hooper. Lord, you know and love these people. They are your children. May they know your beloved presence and blessing with you at this time in their lives. We pray too for those who are on holiday this week, for Simon and Kerry, and for others in our church family who are taking advantage of half-term to relax. Those at the big church day out. We pray that they will know a great blessing from you as they seek refreshment from the usual routine of their lives. Father, our hearts ache for those in your family who face persecution, torture and death just because they dare to call you Lord. Strengthen and uphold them, we pray. It's hard for us to imagine how much they suffer 
and yet still choose to call you Lord. Pour your richest blessing upon them, Lord, we pray, so that others may have cause to wonder and come to faith. We pray that in all these situations, those suffering will be honoured in your kingdom and blessed beyond any earthly measure. May your name be praised and kept holy in all the dark places of your world, we pray. Set the world aright, Lord. Do what is best. As above, so below. Words from your prayer, Lord. How we long to see them happen. Father, we pray for our country at this time, for those in power that they will show compassion and mercy, for those putting themselves forward for election. O Lord, at this crucial time here in the UK, above all else, May your will be done. As above, so below. Give our leaders and aspiring leaders a fresh vision to take us forward. United as one, however divided we may be over our future relationship with Europe. We pray too for other countries where there is terrible turmoil. For new refugees from the fighting in Syria afraid to go back to their towns and seeking entry into Turkey and Europe. For those who try to cross the channel, hoping to bring peace and security into, their, into the lives of their families. Your will be done, Lord, however troubled this world seems to become. We bring you our town where many are troubled and live restless lives without you. For those with addictions, we pray for freedom. For those who feel hopeless, we pray for hope. For those who are lonely and friendless, we pray for them to find your family of love and inclusion. For those who have no home, no roof over their heads at night, nowhere to wash, keep warm and dry, nowhere to feed themselves, that they will be found by those who can help them to a home. We know, Lord, that answers to these prayers often come in the form of human hands, feet, arms, hearts and minds. Where you prompt us to be part of that answer, help us to respond without fear, knowing that in that calling you go with us. We ask these prayers in the name of your Son, our Saviour Jesus, and leave them in your hands with great great rejoicing, knowing your desire for all these people and situations is far, far beyond ours. Yours is the power and the glory. Amen.